Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about going from the frying pan into the fire with the help of special guest Charles Boucher of Neil's Design Remodel in Cincinnati, Ohio. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Uh, Just this past week, I was visiting a company in Nashville and uh, the accountant there says, I listen to your podcast and one of these days I'm going to send you an idea. And I thought, well, send away because I love to hear from people with ideas. So uh, please do that. If you have some ideas uh, for the show, uh, let us know. Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. So it feels like more and more companies are reaching the point in their development and their sophistication where they need someone to manage the production department, not managing jobs, but managing the whole department. Now, where I live, I call that person the production manager. Now, again, in my opinion, I know some people will disagree with this, but this is one of the toughest jobs out there. Uh, And the reason is because you've got all kinds of people kind of pulling on you. There's the trade contractors, they want something. The employees that work for you, they want something. The clients want probably something plus something else. And then, of course, there's your boss who obviously wants you to perform your duties in a way that helps the company grow. Now, companies all over the country, Canada, other places, uh, have tried all kinds of ways to fill this role. And depending on size and style of company and so forth like that, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So what some people have tried is, and I've get, I'm doing air quotes here, is promoting a lead carpenter. Now, the reason it's air quotes and promoting is because, you know what, I feel like if you're a great lead carpenter, be a great lead carpenter. There, there's nothing to promote you beyond that if you're really good at it. But nine times out of 10, lead carpenters don't make good production managers. Just just a different skill set that's required. And then, of course, there's the project manager, which has some of the skills for managing. And sometimes we promote the project manager. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And then I've even heard of companies that have had a production coordinator and they say, "Woo, you could be the production manager. And so they move that person into the job. And then there are companies that look outside this industry to try to find true mid-level managers. And that's what we're talking about today. And so depending on the complexity of the company uh, and their sophistication, we're finding that the role of production manager requires more skills that are about business and managing people than about building houses. And so many of the people that are coming in that have training in good mid-level management skills are doing exceptionally well, even though 
They don't know that much about, quote, building a house, unquote. So I think we have to broaden our horizons here a little bit. So that's what we're doing today. Steve? Okay, so our guest today is Charles Boucher. Charles was born and raised in the Columbia Falls Whitefish area of Montana near Glacier National Park and served in the U.S. Navy as a submarine radioman while attending school for electrical engineering, nuclear propulsion systems, and hydraulic engineering. He worked in manufacturing, fabrication of metal products from 2008 to 2019, in Florence, Kentucky. He worked his way up from a temp employee in shipping to production, to production manager, to plant manager, and then senior manager. His training and skill set include Six Sigma Black Belt, people development, operational develop management, and process improvement. In March of 2021, Charles was brought in to become the production manager for Neil's Design Remodel. Welcome to the show, Charles. Thank you, good to be here. Hey, you know what? I I just figured out I got to be really nice to you, like black belt and nuclear products. I got to be, uh, <laughs> this is a, a dangerous zone I'm walking into here. All right, so let's get started here. Um, tell us a little bit about Neil's design build there in Cincinnati. To just give us a framework so we understand what kind of company you're working in. Uh, well, Neil's, we, uh, Neil's Design Model, we do right around 13, 14 million a year. Um, that's what looking forward from uh, this year. Uh, we run a system with uh, four project managers. I have 11 lead carpenters and uh, right about 13 carpenters helpers under them. Uh, we also use some subcontractors along the way. Wow, that's a big, that's a big crew. Yeah, and uh, okay, so do you have any background in construction at all? Is there any like, <laughs> You know, like I worked with my dad or anything like that? Uh, yes, actually, I, I do. Uh, my <laughs> father had a cabinet shop. I kind of grew up in that cabinet shop over the years. I have two sisters in Montana. that they're, Them and their husbands both run separate construction companies in the Bozeman area. Uh, so I've worked on quite a few jobs uh, with my family. Uh, everything from pouring concrete to uh, finished trim work, painting, drywall along the way. Okay, now do you have all 10 fingers still? I still have all 10 fingers. All right, good. That's, that's important from a cabinet shop perspective that you check uh, yes. on, the, on the number of digits uh, that you have. So tell us a little bit more about this work that you were doing in fabrication and, and for the company there uh, where you spent you know, maybe the last eight or nine years, whatever it was. Give us a little bit more about what that was and particularly as you went into the management roles, what were the, some of the things that you were, be, were doing as part of that? Well, in my first management role for uh, the company, I was their planning manager. Uh, after working my way up through logistics into uh, the production side, I uh, took over the planning manager spot. And with that, it was my responsibility to plan the production for the entire plant, uh, which at that point was just over 2 million springs a month. Uh, we, we made coil springs in that facility. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so one of those things you don't really pay attention to on a car, but have to have. Did you say 2 million? 2 million springs a month. Yes. A month. Yes. Man. Oh man. Now, what did that mean? That mean 
when you're talking about the planning of production, did that mean you had to figure like what was coming into the plant in terms of raw material and then how it would move through the chain? Is that, is that what you were doing? Yes, that was, you know, basically planning the, the labor needs, raw material needs, planning the specifics of which products were being made on which line throughout each day, uh, quantities to keep up with all of the shipments that had to go out. Uh, automotive is, you know, just in time. So it's a, can be a pretty stressful environment. Okay. So uh, now also going through and developing other planners to work in that same position throughout my time there. Okay. So you were actually training some other people to do what you were doing. Yes. Oh, cool. So uh, now I've heard, you know, I've heard people say construction is so different. Nobody can, you know, manage these jobs unless they know construction. So just tell us what some of the problems you had in that spring manufacturing factory that might help us understand that not everything runs like clockwork in a factory. Because we get this idea that, hey, you know, all you do is you, you people stand in front of a machine and they push buttons and everything just pops out. What are some of the challenges or problems that you had that might relate a little bit to our industry? Uh, well, I mean, raw material shortages, <laughs> definitely a, an issue. You know, being able to pivot from one product to another is okay. definitely something that has to be done in that situation. You know, as far as machine downtime, uh, you know, loss of production time in that area, and even just the failures of bad products coming out at the end, you know, and I, and of lost sure production. Some, some labor labor issues as well, you know. And labor crazy. issues, I think, are one of those things that are standard in every industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask that because I do think sometimes those of us who are in construction, we go like, oh, it's so easy. They're inside. They have, you know, everything's controlled They have, you know, blah, 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 where we're outside. We have to deal with the weather. We have clients. They don't have clients, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. And what I've seen over the years is that the same problems that hit us hit manufacturing industries as well. And so maybe some lessons learned then uh, trade over to the, uh, the construction world. So, yes, with, uh, with metal forming industry. We have our own climate inside that building. It's about 110 degrees. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. from one end of the building, it could be 110 in the production area and 70 degrees in the logistics area. Yeah, so I'm hearing some people in Phoenix going, so? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how did, how did Niels find you? So you're not, you're not in the construction world at that point. Uh, Neil's design, and I, I know them, and so I knew they were looking for somebody. How did they find you? Uh, well, actually, I, I applied for the position here through LinkedIn. Oh. And, okay, uh, through LinkedIn? Yes, I did. Okay. And uh, when, I, when I applied, I didn't really put any construction experience at all. I just put my management experience in there and, you know, people development skills, and uh, I got a call. And I was fairly surprised that I did. <laughs> so, so what made you what made you respond to that that uh, LinkedIn advertisement or that LinkedIn posting? What was it about that 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 you said, "Hey, that's something I'd like to do"? 
Well, I mean, growing up around the industry and, you know, just from my background, and it's always something that uh, in my younger years, um, the money just wasn't there in carpentry to, to really support my family. Right. Um, but it's always something that I enjoy doing. And I've always been more inclined to be in, in the remodeling industry and construction than the automotive industry, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, so I really wanted to explore that. And so when I, I saw that, I was like, that it sounds like something I would really like to do. And I, I put it in and was really happy to have them call me back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit through other channels and I, I'm, I'm just thrilled because I think not only does the company need someone like you, but I think it's a great business to be in as well. So we kind of hit on this a little bit, but let's just talk about what's similar about the two industries. And now that you've been, I mean, you've only been at Neil's, you know, uh, about 90 days in case somebody's listening to this podcast way down the road, but you've only been there about 90 days. So you're still figuring out all the things that are going on. But from, from that vantage point, what are some of the things that are similar and, uh, and maybe just a little bit about how you're dealing with them? I mean, it's, uh, for me, it was just very process-oriented transition. You know, different processes, but just how they flow from beginning to end. Um, myself, I'm very process-oriented coming from a manufacturing background. So that was something that I, I really had to look into to familiarize myself with that total process of going through the remodeling and, and construction phase to a finished product. Um, any, any process can be understood if you really want to break it down and, and study it and, and get it to where you can plan that process with the timeframes that are, are needed. And that's very similar to the planning that I've done in manufacturing. You know, there's also always the process time. There's always, you know, that raw material lead time and things like that. So it kind of coincided pretty well for me uh, to come into a position where I was planning that job. So, so what, so let me ask you this question, because I, again, I know Neil's a little bit and I know they've, they've been working on their processes for years to get them functioning the way they would like them. If, if you were walking in there and, they didn't have all this stuff set up. Do you feel like you could have kind of grabbed the ball and, and put processes and built processes within a company like Neil's? I, I think it would have been a, a little bit of a struggle for a little while. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it can be done. Uh, if you're going to put the time to learn the processes of just the construction phases and, and learn that, then you can really get that down on paper and, and, yeah. Basically put flow charts together. They show how that works. And for me, that was helpful. Yeah. Uh, coming from that type of background. Uh, but uh, fortunately with Niels, they're very open to change and improvement in, in that type of process. So uh, it has to be something that the owner is very behind to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard horror stories with others that that's not really the case. You're right. Um, I feel very fortunate to have Alan as a, as the CEO here. Right. So what are some of the challenges? What are some of the differences? What are some of the things that you've found that are just different between, you know, that automotive industry and, and construction in terms of the managing of it? 
Uh, as far as the management goes, the, the culture is just completely different from an automotive world to what we have here at Niels in construction. Um, myself, so? I, I really had to kind of tone down some things. <laughs> <laughs> so how so? Give us a little more information uh, about that. Uh, in, in manufacturing, you can be very direct with people about what's required. I mean, okay. because it is, for the most part, very cut and dry. Uh, you know, manufacturing is always modifying process to get the same outcome. You know, right. we have to standardize a process that gives us different outcomes. Every building is different. So we have to have a, a fairly standard process in some situations, but it always has to be modified to fit that end product. And, and just having that, it's makes it a little bit more difficult to be very direct in conversation about how things have to be done to continue that improvement. Uh, so I, I will say the process side of it is a little bit different when it comes to that point until you break it down far enough that it becomes similar. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so just to, to jump into that, Charles, I've always been fascinated with really the process development of, you know, in remodeling. So, is your goal when you look at that to try to meet in the middle in terms of that standard process of manufacturing to remodeling or where you, or, or go more toward the um, manufacturing? My goal is to meet in the middle. It, it okay. definitely is. Um, I have to give them the leeway to modify that process to get to the end product. Uh, I just want to standardize it enough that as we bring people in, and we also recruit from trade schools as well that I can bring somebody in and get them into a, a fairly standard process throughout that they can work with and grow. Um, Even and with a changing job and changing product. Yeah, especially with yeah. the changing plan of the building itself. Yeah. You know, framing can be one of those things that is fairly standardized throughout the framing process. It's going to look different, but it's the same way to build it. So I'm really looking to make sure that that part of the process development uh, is very standard through what we do, uh, as well as, as getting into, you know, the drywall end of it, you know, the tile. Uh, we do have one tile guy on staff with a, an apprentice, and that's something that we're developing just because of issues with having enough subcontractors to do that. So we're starting to develop some of that in-house as well. Um, but it's standardizing those processes so that apprentice tile person can go out and do a tile job in a, in a fairly short period of time. Cool. So a lot of people have heard me say this, that I believe the production manager job is about people and process. And so I'm just excited to hear you say, you know, it's process. And so then, but when you were talking about toning down a little bit, my mind went immediately to people. And I'm just wondering if that is a little different as well, where, again, mo many of us who have never been in manufacturing, and maybe it's just me, but I think it's others as well, we have this idea that in a factory, you're, you're just told what to do, and you do it. And at the end of the day, you forget about your job, and you go home, and you come back the next day and do what you're told. I don't know if that's true or not. You can correct me if you want, but I know in the remodeling world, it seems like you have to treat people a little bit 
uh, I don't know what, what you'd call it, a little more gently more along love. the way. <laughs> so did, it, are you finding that as well? Uh, yes, I am. I mean, the manufacturing world is definitely very cut and dry about what your responsibilities are and what you do in a position every day. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, you move this product to this area, you know, <laughs> to be the most simplistic side of it. Yeah. You put this sticker on this spring in this area over and over and over all day to identify that product. Right. You know, you're going to coil that spring to look like this over <laughs> and over and over. All day long. Uh, so it is, it is very much like that. Yes. Uh, the processes are there to create the exact same product over and over and over. So what have you had to do to, to temper the way you deal with the, the, the uh, crew? The staff with, that's already the crew here. There's, you know, there's there's a lot more with uh, egos in, in right. different areas. Uh, you know, there are those people that think they're better at their job than other people, and it's you know kind of changing how my conversations go to really get their buy-in to what I'm saying. And some of those people are you know coming in newer to the company, and they're here to learn and you know, making sure that they understand that we are here to teach them and grow them within the company uh, gets us a lot of buy-in that way. But for those that have been here for 15 years, um, getting that buy-in is a totally different style of communication. And just getting that buy-in from them is a, is a little bit more difficult than somebody in a factory that you're just saying, well, I want to put you in this position. I want to grow you to that. This is exactly what you're going to do. It's kind of hard to tell a lead carpenter, this is exactly what you're going to do every day. <laughs> right. So communicating through that and, and really just working to relate with them personally to get their buy-in is, is much different than you're going to see in a, in a manufacturing plant. So I guess one of the questions that I, that I have was, I, I, again, I know the company a little bit. I know the individual who was the production manager is still there. Uh, working for the company and doing training, I believe, is his yes, primary is. focus, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely incredible. But the, it leads to the question of how, how, how has it gone with you stepping in and, you know, the project managers and lead carpenters that have been there for a little while or used to, you know, turning to this, this other person, you know, how is that going in terms of you becoming the boss, if you will? I think right now it's going really well. I mean, it took a little while in the beginning to, you know, understand how we were going to communicate together and what the expect expectations were between us. And uh, at this point, we're, we're really in good shape with that. Um, I, I will say it probably took a full 90 days to really get that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin is still with the company. He reports to me as the training coordinator. And, uh, you know, we work very well together and, and he has stepped back from the production management side of it and he has allowed me to run with that. Um, we spent about a month, month and a half together initially. Right. Just during the transition. Um, and once he stepped back, it was easier for me to, you know, really get that relationship formed with the project managers that I have yeah. and be able to get out there and spend more time with the lead carpenters and get to know them a little bit more. So it's, uh, you know, you got to spend the time to do it, but it's definitely been well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And again, let me just, let me just give everybody a little bit more information. Like the, the Kevin was the previous production manager. 
he's getting a little closer to retirement and uh, decided, you know what, he wanted to do something else with the company. They didn't kick him out so that Charles could come in, but he wanted to do something different. Bosses thought that was a great idea and they've set him up as a training coordinator, which is super fantastic for trying to build that bench so that the company stays, stays going. So yeah, that's, it's a really cool thing they've got going. Charles, when you talk about going out and getting to know the uh, carpenters better and just the other staff that would report to you, is there a, uh, a strategy or a process around that? I mean, I don't want to make you out to be a robot, but, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> but is it about rapport or are you really trying to get a handle on what their daily uh, process look and do you measure that at all? It's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. uh, being process oriented is kind of hard to get away from that. In, in most situations, you know, you see it and you want to analyze it and just kind of break it down. Uh, so there is some of that, but it is, it's definitely more about building rapport with them yeah. you know, and, and getting to know them, you know, and that's, you know, later on, that's to get buy-in and find out what they want to do in the company and what direction we want to take their training. Cool. Uh, Kevin and I are, you know, we write the training plan for a quarter and, we want to make sure that we have that growth in the company in the right direction for the people for where they want to go. So I'm just thinking I need to get Kevin on here to talk <laughs> about what in the world is a training plan. Cause everybody out there in podcast land is going a training plan. What's that? Don't they just learn on the job when they're <laughs> supposed to learn something, you know? So I'm thank you for that inspiration. You've already contributed. So <laughs> So Charles, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wind down here. This has been really really cool, but I'd like you to give us maybe some insight for any companies out there that are looking for a production manager. Uh, they have the capacity to hire somebody, and they say, you know what? It might be interesting to look outside of our industry. What kind? What should they be looking for? And what titles might be out there? that they could, that would say, yeah, that person probably has what we might need in this company. Uh, one that would stick out would be a master planner. Okay. Uh, master planner is involved with a lot of the financials and the financial planning of the year for the company, but also in the raw material, you know, procurement and the planning of the actual production. So they also, tend to train a lot of planners along the way and they deal with production directly. So that's one that would really stand out as well as a production manager in a manufacturing facility. Okay. Uh, those, those two are kind of the ones that uh, go hand in hand and communicate back and forth a lot throughout every day. Uh, but that's going to be where if I were to say to go to a manufacturing facility to look for a construction production manager, those would be the two that would stand out that would have the best skill set to transfer over. And what might, I mean, you looked at that LinkedIn and you, you had some construction background. So you said this would be kind of interesting. What might be some wording that would attract somebody in like a, an ad or a, a posting that would say, you know what, that sounds interesting to me. Do you have any kind of Thoughts on, on what might be attractive to somebody like yourself? <laughs> uh, anybody in manufacturing is going to be uh, very interested in a work week that's actually standard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Uh, 
you want to attract people away from manufacturing, you get away from the uh, six, seven day work weeks that they normally work on a consistent basis. Oh, so, so you're saying something like promising that, you, you know, it's a 45 or 50 hour work week, Monday through Friday. And uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. if you were to tell somebody in manufacturing that it was a Monday through Friday, that would get their attention right away. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I tell everybody I learn something new every podcast and this one's been no exception. So Charles, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time today and, and being with us. This has been great. And I am serious. I'm going to get in touch with Kevin. I've got his email. I'm going to get in touch with Kevin and, and try to get him on the show because I think that idea of a training plan is, would be a fantastic topic. Oh, yes. Thank you. I really enjoy it. Thanks so much, Charles. Take care. Thank you. So, Tim, I just need to applaud you. You find great guests <laughs> every single time. It, it surprises me. I uh, rarely know exactly what we're going to get into, you know, a few days prior, but this was uh, really impressive. Uh, Charles, you know, impresses him impressive in himself, but Neil's as a company impressive in yeah. uh, sourcing that talent, noticing the opportunity, and then putting him in this place where it looks like he'll thrive. And, you know, it's not the normal path that people take. So I, 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 we didn't really cover it in the podcast, but one of the things I've been thinking is that if you have great people already in the field, you don't always need somebody who has great construction knowledge because there's always somebody else to turn to. And what I think Charles really emphasized for me was the people and process stuff. You know, it's process that makes management function well. And so developing, continuing, refining, building, whatever you want to call it, process through the entire company. And then this whole idea of culture. And I think that was another kind of cool thing about it that came right out, like the difference between manufacturing and construction. It's a different culture. Oh, yeah. And somebody coming into it would need to adapt a little bit. But I'm thinking it's a better culture. Me personally, I'm thinking it's a, a more friendly, you know, uh, more family sort of oriented culture. Yeah, there's a little more room in there for people, I think, outside <laughs> yeah. of just direct product and process. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, this was really fantastic. So I want to thank Charles Boucher for joining us again today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.